Van Jones left this organizer who's maybe changed a bit, CNN contributor, maybe changed a bit, once told people to drop the radical front, put on a suit and a tie and get in the system and change the system, drop the radical front to achieve the radical ends. What he was talking about was avail yourself of the illusion of respectability. The illusion of being collegial. So I was watching, of all things, a Dr. Phil clip. Sometimes the strangest things lead to topics in this on this podcast. Dr. Phil had a guy on who did something called bum fights. Howard Stern used to do this. He used to bring homeless people on and have them wrestle. And this guy did worse things than that to homeless people, just exploiting them. The guy got called on to Dr. Phil's show. And he, he went on with a plan, this guy. We'll talk about the plan he had. It was a pretty smart plan. And Dr. Phil, in my judgment, feigned shock to learn what this guy's explanation for this YouTube thing he was doing, making, he said, millions of dollars. I don't want to talk to you. You can go. If you if you think if you if you think I exploit people, every time you bring a guest on this show, you exploit them and spread whatever the problems they have to the whole world. You think that's helping them? Yeah, keep telling yourself that. You can go. Yeah, I don't draw a parallel between Phil and that guy. I mean, I get his point, and there's a really clever thing that guy did, but that got me to thinking about the illusion of respectability. This is so well installed. Listen here to the dictator of Canada. Trying to bring people together is not always compatible with science. <laughs> He's pushing bum fights through the entire country, he rules. I don't want to talk to you. you can go. I wish we could say that. To the dictator. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. I said I would do it. I went back on the soda weight loss protocol, seven and a half pounds of unwanted fat zapped, snuck up on me. I figured out it wasn't just the monster drinks, by the way. Uh, something else is, and we'll talk about it later. Sodaweightloss.com. There's all sorts of things that can sabotage you. When you, if you walk into a courtroom, most people have, I think, maybe that's false. Maybe I've been in a bunch of them, so I want to believe most people have. I used to speed a lot. I used to drive really fast and, and I don't know that I ever really, well, that's not true. I did endanger people. That's a fact. I did endanger people. Um, yeah, I did. That's true. I need to confess that. I endangered people. I took the stewardship. 
of driving uh, unseriously, and I did endanger some people. So I want to apologize for even considering an instinctual need to lie about that. So I went to traffic court a bunch. I've been in a lot of courtrooms. And all the design of the courtroom is to impart to you the fact that you are there under authority. So the way the judge sits higher than the rest of us, the black robe, the, the color of authority, the color of infallibility, the flags, the setting, um, depending on where you're at, a lot of those courtrooms still have marble, you know, marble floors and the sort of Roman style edifices still there. It's all part of the show. It's the show of authority. And it's also sort of a, it's an othering. You know, we are the authorities. We are the implacable, unmovable. We, we consider only the facts before us. We're not human beings. We're judges. It's all very tactical, very smart. Same thing if you ever have to go testify in front of the Senate or the, the Congress. They sit way up above you. I've never had to do that. I, I, I would love to do that. But uh, it'd be difficult for me to remain godly doing that. I have such, such, I'm, I have such righteous indignation. I think it's righteous about what they've done to this country. It'd be very difficult for me to remain godly. But they sit really high up above you. And it's this, you know, there's a big wood edifice between you and they, and their, their name cards are bigger and, and they're honorable and you're not. And it's the honorable congressman and you're to you address them with your, their honorifics. And again, it's part of the show. It's part of the intimidation. And then there's the illusion of, the illusion of respectability. You know, you look at mob movies and mobsters learn pretty early, or better yet, just do Vegas. They learned pretty early on, hey, just put on a suit and tie. And you can still make a bunch of money off of gambling and you can still take people for all they're worth. You can still sell sin um, you can still allow prostitution and the selling of human bodies and, and trafficking. And look, you can be a respectable businessman. You can own banks and sit on boards. And, and yeah, I, I actually am aware of someone who made, I've never met him, but I'm aware of someone who made millions of dollars in gambling and is somehow still um, a very, very discipled man. Uh, I'd love to talk to this guy. I'm not saying that there's any prohibition in the Bible against gambling, but I'm saying in terms of taking advantage of people, I find it hard to imagine being a discipled Christian and running a casino, but, but probably people can set me right. But the mob did that in Las Vegas, that, hey, let's, let's get on a city council. Let's be the government. Let's set up the gaming commission. We set it up, we own it. And so they created this illusion of respectability. And then it's, hey, let's make Vegas a family place. And I get it. I, I took my daughter to Vegas. Um, I mean, we were down there because of the, uh, 
you know, we were taking our long run through family and adolescent therapy and we were down in the area and it was a quick drive ish, quick ish and let her fly a stunt plane. And I mean, I get it. There's a lot of stuff that you can amuse yourself with down there. But at the same time, we talked about the reality behind the scenes. Now, I did. I drove her down the strip and said, let's see how many people we can count who appear to be selling their bodies. And maybe we can talk about how people end up doing that. So when I saw this Dr. Phil thing float up, it kept floating up in, in my show research. I use Twitter for a lot of the show research because I've spent, and this is one of the reasons, well, it's the reason I keep Twitter, actually. It's the reason. Because I have spent, gosh, 10 years finding people to follow on that who do a brilliant job of curating news by topic. They themselves are very smart commentators. So often if you see me tweeting something, it's really just me saving it for later. It's, it's, I, I know that Twitter savagely shadow bans me. I don't think I'm making some kind of difference there. But in show research, this, this something kept coming up, this, this Dr. Phil thing from way back in the day. I couldn't get away from it. I finally said, okay, fine, I'll click. And I watched this piece. Now, Dr. Phil, like I've read some of his books. Back in the day, I kind of found him fascinating. And I read some of his books. And I think he's probably a pretty good therapist. I think he probably has some, you know, pretty good ideas. His approach to things, pretty straightforward. How's it working for you? That's one of his big quotes. How's it working for you? And he was an Oprah invention. Oprah thought he was great, gave him a TV show, and and she still takes a rake, I think, against what Phil earns. And there's also an aspect of what Phil does, which is exploitation. It's not as bad as, as say, a Jerry Springer or a Jenny Jones. I think I told you I had a girlfriend who went on Jenny Jones's show. Did I tell you that story? I should tell you that later. Yeah, I will. I will. I'll tell you this later because she was almost kidnapped and murdered. And, and partly, frankly, with courtesy of Jenny Jones because of how she treated her guests. So I will wrap that up with a personal note. It was one of those times that I think I actually saved a life. In fact, I talked to her with permission of my wife about a year ago. I, I went on an apology tour, going about apologizing to people who I had treated in an ungodly way. And, and um, I wasn't, I never abused her, God forbid, nothing like that. But I mean, we were dating in a way that was ungodly. So I got in touch with her and apologized. And she remembered that incident. She said, oh yeah, you saved my life. So Dr. Phil has people on and exploits their stories. And look, that's what media does. I mean, media exploits. In documentaries, they're exploiting people's stories. And sometimes people want their stories to be told. I've got a friend of mine um, who's been absolutely just abused and his wife have been abused by the medical system. And they want to tell their stories because they want it to get out. And sure, I'll tell the story because I want it to get out. It's got to change. We've got to fight back. I mean, this show is part activism. And what they did to, to his family was ungodly. When I'm really listening to the spirit, we put God at the center. And sure, I think it's going to be a great episode. I think it will get a lot of clicks. I think people will enjoy it and share it with friends. So part of it's exploitation. 
But listening and watching this Dr. Phil piece just gave me this incredible kind of insight that, oh my goodness, what Dr. Phil accuses this guy of doing is being done all across the country, all across the world by people who take advantage of the illusion of respectability. So here's the setup is Phil has this guy in his program. This is years ago, as I understand it. Phil has this guy in his program. This guy does like a YouTube thing or did, uh, and it's called Bum Fights. And he sold DVDs and, you know, uh, collections and montages. And yeah, he went out on the street. He found people who were addicted to drugs. In other words, he went to the least of these. And instead of treating them in the proper way, he exploited them. Uh, brutal sin, brutal sin. One of the most haunting verses in the Bible, as people understand, you grow to understand it, is as you treat the least of these, so you treat me. That's the Lord Jesus saying, hey, I am the homeless guy. You know, the homeless guy, you paid money to fight another guy. That was me. As you treat the least of these, so you treat me. I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was in jail and you did not visit me. So this guy goes out on the streets. I think it looks like Los Angeles or maybe Las Vegas. And he finds homeless people. Um, he bribes them to do things. And, and they're terrible things um, that he bribes them to do. And, and some of them are, well, just unspeakably vile. So he goes on Dr. Phil. And he does something really smart. He knows what Phil's going to say about him. He knows how Phil's going to play this. So this guy comes in dressed in a carbon copy suit. Dr. Phil wears. Dr. Phil always wears sort of the dark charcoal gray suit and sort of the same color of tie. And part of that's lighting and consistency. And it allows them to have the show be timeless so they can run best ofs. And you can't really tell that, that you know, this is an older show because Phil keeps his hair the same. They keep the set roughly the same. It's a smart play, particularly in syndication. Very smart play. So this guy comes in, he's wearing the same type of suit that Phil always wears, same kind of tie that Phil always wears. And he's either shaved his head to look like Phil and, and he has a mustache like Phil has. He's either shaved his head to look like Phil or he's got one heck of a skin cap because man, it is solid. It looks, he, it looks like he shaved his head. So he's coming on to show, look, you and I are the same. They're, they're not, it's, but, it's by, but it's by a matter of degree. It's not, they're not in different categories. Phil brings people on and they air their dirty laundry in public and they air their mental illness in public. And Dr. Phil, yeah, he tries to help them. And by virtue of helping them, he's helping others. Like I think Dr. Laura's show is a great show. I think she helped a lot of people. I think Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla's show was a great show. I think they helped a lot of people despite being way, way out there in terms of, you know, not really reeling in the sexual behavior to say, hey, maybe, maybe just follow the word of God and maybe you wouldn't have these issues. But of course they can't do that. So he is taking this pose of you, Phil, and I are the same. And Dr. Phil, I, am, I, I suspect that Phil is lying when he pretends that he has just seen this footage for the first time. Because they do this little, little pre-sell package, and then Phil responds. So here it is. Now, I have to warn you, some of this footage that you're about to see is clearly inappropriate for young viewers. Please ask your children to leave the room. And I'm serious, you really don't want your kids 
watching this, and it's not going to be fun for you to see it. But we have to be aware of what's floating around out there and what our kids have access to. Okay, here is Ty defending his bum fights video. Smack him huh? right in the forehead with it. Huh? I see homeless people as talent. When I go out in the streets, I'm looking for talent. I can smell it. I am doing a service to the homeless people. I'm turning these people into something special. I'm motivating them, inspiring them. I believe our customers are infatuated with watching our videos because there's a lot of people that are addicted to violence. They want to see homeless people doing crazy things, something that this world needs. For example, one guy, he was a crackhead and his teeth were bothering him. So we got him a pair of pliers and we ripped one of his teeth out. They show and that. He just wanted a bottle of JD. There are lines that I don't cross. I don't do hardcore porn, and I don't deal with death footage. We don't just sit there and give them our pocket change and say, good luck. We put them to work. There was a homeless guy. We said, what would you do if we gave you some money? He said, I'd eat a raw frog. So we went to the Asian market, got a raw frog, and he ate it on the sidewalk. <laughs> we paid him 20 bucks. I've made multi-millions off the Bum Fights video series. I'm not surprised at my success. It's a sick world. Stop the tape. Stop the tape. I don't want to talk to you. Why not? That's despicable. I don't want to talk to you. You can go. You can go. If, you, if, you think, if, you, if you think I exploit people, every time you bring a guest on this show, you exploit them and spread whatever the problems they have to the whole world. You think that's helping them? Yeah, keep telling yourself that. You can go. Uh, you know what? Who do you think you are, huh? Bye. Hey, bud, come on. Huh? Come on, come on, no, I'm not finished talking on, to you. Yeah, you yeah, are. You are. Come come no, I'm not. Come yeah, you are. Come on. No, I'm not. Come on. Yeah, you are. Come on. Sorry, but that I, I just watched that footage, and that is absolutely despicable, and I refuse to publicize that. I'm just not going to do it. You just did. You just did. He clearly could not have a serious dialogue about this ridiculous topic. I think what I saw on these screens is absolutely despicable. I think it's deplorable. And I think it is an insult to my intelligence and those of my viewers for somebody to stand up and say, I'm trying to help people by doing this. I don't think there's a chance that that was the first time Phil saw the, the, the pre-package. In fact, he didn't say, oh, that's the first time I've seen it. He said, I'm watching this and it's despicable. So probably I'm guessing what happened is he, Phil said the guy came dressed as me. Oh, OK, let's let's have him on and I'll, I'll destroy him. And of course, it drove viewership to bum fights. So there's a trade. They're difference in degree, not in category. And they're not that different from government and technocrats. It's the illusion of respectability. Now, look, I'm not here to say that Dr. Phil's not a respectable man. I don't know that. I don't think bum fights guys respectable. You can make an argument that Phil's helping people. I think it's a solid argument that can be made. I don't know what a show's like in the past 10 years. Honestly, I don't. It may have become like Jerry Springer. I don't know. But there was a time when you could make that argument. But it's difficult to make that argument 
when you look at what Lori Lightfoot did, you know, Greg Abbott has been sending illegal immigrants to Chicago and New York. And it's funny how quickly these people say, oh, this is untenable. And, and we don't have the resources for this. And, and Eric was Eric Roberts, the so-called mayor of New York is saying, we don't have the resources for this. This is, this is destroying our resources. And Greg Abbott is saying, you're one of the biggest cities in the country, if not the biggest, you're like a country unto itself in terms of size and resources. And our little border towns can't handle handle this. But with the illusion of respectability given people with titles like mayor, wait to see what Lori Lightfoot has done uh, over the weekend with the illegal immigrants brought into Chicago proper by Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas. You want to talk about the illusion of respectability? Mayor Lightfoot enjoys the illusion of respectability and she's doing something very similar to what bum fights guy does different in execution but i don't know that it's different in category hey so i mentioned the soda weight loss thing you know here was the thing that was i i finally went back and yesterday we talked about chain analysis it wasn't just the monster drinks i didn't even think of this I started to put oat milk in my coffee. Now, there are some foods that I've learned from my body I can't consume if I wish to keep the 150 pounds of fat, unwanted fat. And by the way, who wants 150 pounds of fat on their bodies? I mean, that's almost by by definition unwanted. If I want to keep that off my body, there's things that I can't eat on on any form of regular basis. And one of those is grains. And honestly, I don't miss it. I mean, yes, I can smell that bread smells good. And I honestly don't miss eating it. And if I choose to have a piece of bread, I do. But I got to be very careful about this. I realized, man, I started to put oat milk in my coffee. Because my daughter being a vegan, we have oat milk in the house. And we didn't have cream. So I put oat milk in. Hey, that tastes good. And I checked it. It didn't have sugar in it. It's unsugared. That tastes good. And then, you know, I love the bone frog coffee. So I drink my morning coffee black. And through the day, I begin to add this oat milk to it. And then I started to think about this because I was doing burpees. I haven't done burpees since I got the uh, surgery, by the way. So it was the first burpees I was doing. And they were a little awkward because I haven't done them since then. And I thought, man, I feel bloated. Ah, oat milk. See, it's crazy the little triggers that our body sets up. See, this is why when you talk with Soda Weight Loss at SOTAweightloss.com, they'll interview you to talk about the foods you eat and crave. Because, man, there are indicators in what you crave. They'll talk to you about how you feel after eating certain foods. Because there are all sorts of clues and indicators in how people feel after they eat certain foods. And what time of day do you crave things? And the nutritionists with whom you work, they all have their own unique way of figuring these things out and finding these patterns within people because that's how they're going to construct a menu for you. And part of it begins with, yes, there's going to be some limits on the foods that you eat because you can't turn your body into a fat-burning machine without re-engaging the fat-burning, re-engaging the metabolism. But they'll uncover these things for you. They'll also teach you how to eat those things in moderation. 
Like, you know, about my beloved uh, going down for pizza once a week. I have a plan. I know exactly how to go do this. Or if I'm going to eat a kid's, you know, at a birthday party and this kid's birthday cake, I'm not going to say no to a little kid's birthday cake. So I've learned ways to do this and see the chain analysis I just did. That's because of the time on the protocol. When I sat there and thought about it, oh, it's oat milk. It's oats. And it's not just once in a while. Now it's, it went from once in my coffee per day to three times and hey, that tastes good. And it does. So the fix to this is, yeah, why don't I just go back to good old fashioned cream or half and half in moderation so I keep this seven and a half pounds off. See, it is about making sure that you don't do the yo-yo thing. It is about individuals. It is about 7,000 Google reviews, average 4.8 out of five stars. It is about from one location to nationwide in a small number of years because they do it so well. It's sotaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. So the illusion of respectability Lori Lightfoot gets to call herself the mayor of Chicago, although she is an exploitress. That's a cool word, exploitress. She's an exploitress. And what she does is bum fights. She has gang warfare going on constantly in her city. And what does she do? She exploits it. We need federal money. I can't fight this without federal money. She exploits it. Well, this is Whitey. This is white privilege that's causing this. She exploits it. I'm the only one standing between you and the orange man. She exploits it. Same way that bun fight guy would say, well, I'm turning these people into, I'm giving them a purpose. Yeah, she's giving people a purpose. Black Lives Matter Incorporated, Antifa, we're changing the system, baby. We're going to overthrow the system. I, Lori Lightfoot, part of the system and overthrowing the system. So... (laughs) Over the weekend, Lori Lightfoot took the illegal immigrants that Greg Abbott was sending up to her, and she started to ship them to the suburbs. The 1st of September on Twitter, someone wrote for Lori Lightfoot, racism, discrimination, and human cruelty have played a pivotal role in how immigrants are received at our borders. Governor Abbott is without shame or humility. Chicago has been a sanctuary city for thousands of newcomers, and we will not turn our backs on those who need the help the most. So there she is exploiting. Turn the page. On the 10th of September, a journalist uses the phrase migrants, which means illegal immigrants, when they use it. Migrants are being shipped out of the sanctuary city of Chicago to the burbs. She put them on buses her own self and shipped them to the suburbs. But it's bum fights guy that, that, that Dr. Phil kicks off his show. He wouldn't kick Lori Lightfoot off the show. And Lori Lightfoot would sit there and tell you a whole series of lies about this stuff, but that's not going to get her kicked off the show. It's incredible the way the, the, the illusion of respectability works. Put on a suit, stand behind a dais. So I've studied this illusion of respectability kind of casually for many years. I used to pretend to be a health inspector for fun. We never took money. We never bribed anybody. 
We were just curious what we could get away with, with a smile and a clipboard and an official looking ID. And we got away with a lot. Again, never took money, never took bribes, but we got away with a lot. And there's that old saying that a, a confident smile and a clipboard will get you into any building in the country. And that's a true thing. Now, while I'm doing confessions, I should probably confess that we use the same technique to steal pizza. Smile, confident smile and a clipboard. Although at that point we didn't have the clipboard. We just had a great cover story and it worked. And now that I'm confessing this, I realize I'd never confessed this in church. I've never confessed this to the Lord. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to, to understand that I am aware that I used the ability to speak. You gave me to steward. I used it in a wrong way. I used the cleverness you gave me to steward to steal pizza. And I did that with full knowledge that it was theft, but I convinced myself we were just entertaining ourselves. I stole from the pizza owner, pizza shop owner, and I stole from you. And Father God, I confess that was wrong. I ask you to search my heart for any active inequities in that way and to eliminate them. And I ask for forgiveness um, again uh, in the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Is Lori Lightfoot repenting? See, the party is basically doing the same thing that the bum fights guy does. This is, you remember the, uh, the NYU, or probably the BYU hoax? It's the same as every other college hoax that's gone on. There's a basketball game. One of the basketball players, a female, said, and by the way, female means adult. Well, female doesn't mean that. Uh, she's an adult female, a woman playing basketball and she said oh someone called me the n-word and and there was someone screaming the n-word to me at BYU because back in the day way 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 back in the day black people were not allowed to be members of the church of latter-day saints back way back in the day that changed around the time that utah was being considered for statehood that changed and black people were then allowed into the church. And there was a teaching, as I understand it, in the LDS church that black people had been marked by, as Cain, had been marked as evil by God. I believe that's been amended. I am not a scholar or a theologian about the LDS faith. So if I got that wrong, please correct me. and Please forgive me. Now there's been this realization that this never happened. And this is what I love about the New York Times. They do the same thing bum fight guy does. The New York Times merchandises white privilege. The New York Times mer merchandises white fragility. The New York Times said Russia has failed. Pivot to race. They're setting up bum fights across the country, but they're far more consequential. On a sin basis, getting two homeless guys to fight each other or pulling some poor man's tooth out because he's addicted to alcohol and you're going to buy him a bottle of booze. It's a grave, horrible sin. And it's very personal to that man. And across a nation to institute psychological warfare between the, the, the neighbors, to in other words, cause neighbors to hate neighbors, that's a grave sin. The New York Times does this by practice. This is part of their selling job. They've now, they come out and said, oh, <clears throat> this, uh, this BYU hoax, it, it never happened. 
Um, there, there was no, there was no racism. There was no, um, no one at Duke was called the N word, the Duke basketball team that, that did not happen. And now, um, no, probably volleyball, not, not, not basketball, volleyball. And now the New York times is saying this, this never should have spread. <laughs> you spread it and then come back and say it never spread. So what do you do to now? say what do you do to make sure that this doesn't happen again nothing they've done what they're going to do they've come back and said oh it shouldn't have happened and yet it did happen and so how do they write this up well they have to of course make a note of the fact that there's not a lot of black people who go to the college they have to do that They've got to say it's less than 1% black. Well, how many black people live in Utah? There's some. There's a lot of black people at the school at which I taught. Was first Tongan, then Hispanic, then black, then white. So I know there are neighborhoods with a lot of black people in it. But the New York Times is different, again, by degree, not by category. Oh, they're just reporting the news. No, they're not. They're agitating the news. CNN did the same thing. We played this clip uh, this week of, of Christian Amanpour going to the president-elect of Africa where, where people are starving, uh, where there are constant civil wars on the, on the continent, uh, where people are being exploited and, oh my goodness, slavery still exists. And she goes in and says, what about, uh, what's about gay marriage? When, shouldn't that be your focus, really? Isn't that your focus? And, and, and the president-elect didn't buy that. So she also had some opinions about the king of England being, what is he, enthroned? She had some questions there. And it's very, very similar to Bumfights Guy. Christian Amanpour, similar to that. We'll get to Justin Trudeau because it is so filthy. There's good news. There is a um, Romanian politician, government office holder. Well, no, EU. He's an EU rep. He's all over Moderna, the Moderna CEO, but it also gives us another example of exploitation. When you are given um, a gift by the Lord and you're given it to steward. So when I was apologizing for having used the, uh, the ability to speak um, in, in ways that some people think is, is good, good talking, you talk good. When I used that evilly to lie, to steal pizza, that was not stewarding the gift. Zach Abraham has an annoying gift. It's so annoying. He's the chief investment officer of Bulwark Capital Management. It is deeply annoying to me. Zach can hold in his head a whole huge number of financial events and triggers and counter triggers and hedges upon hedges. And hey, if this part of the economy has this happening, here's the way to go long here, short here. And he stewards that, has stewarded that into a company, Bulwark Capital Management, where he and his wife, they have their own net worth. 90% of their net worth is tied up in that company. That lets you know he's got skin in the game. He's also got a, a gift that's far less annoying, and that is that he hires great people. He is a firm believer in, I got to hire people smarter than me, and Zach's a pretty smart dude. 
and he's focused. So what is his number one priority? Well, it's not puffing up the portfolio because you could do that. You could do that for 10 or 20 years, but what happens if just prior to needing that money for retirement, there's a hole blown in the boat and it sinks? Well, that only happens if you're not focused on risk management. So that's the center. That's what Bulwark Capital Management does. So if you think we're told there's a railroad strike coming, we're told there's a UPS strike coming, we're watching energy prices be skyrocketed. It's not organic. They're being skyrocketed. If you think that's risky and you are five to 10 years from retirement, it is paramount that you get in touch with Bulwark Capital Management and Zach Abraham. They're at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. 866-779-RISK or knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. Christian Amanpour, foreign policy correspondent for CNN. She is uh, commentating on the death of the queen. It's Queen Elizabeth, right? Something, some number. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just can't bring myself to care about royalty. Um, and they're commenting on the king. I do care about the World Economic Forum. I do care about the fact that King Charles was a co-founder of the Great Reset Plan. I do care about the fact that Prince Chuck has never held a real job until he's 73 years old. And I'm not certain that this is a real job, but he's busied himself by getting in the business of our business. That bothers me. That I care about. So here is Christiane Amanpour. She is there commentating on the death of the king. Now listen to her commentary. It's not about the British people. It's not about uh, Prince Charles, now King Charles. It's not about his time in military. It's not about his sons. It's not even about the fake American royal family. What's their name and what's her name? They live in California. And for some reason, the media asks them about things. They, I thought they had disowned the royal family, but apparently what's her name and what's his name were at the, the funeral walking about. He has red hair, that guy. Um, so here she is with her deep thoughts on what should be right on the tip of the, of, of the tongue of the King, not the COVID lockdowns, um, not the fact that it's now people who have multiple boosters that are dying. Uh, it's not the fact that they are beholden to the, um, to Russia for energy. And that's proving to be a bad idea. It's not the fact that they're facing the long, cold winter, which is exactly what the world economic forum said they would face. It's not the fact that there are now three or four instances of Muslim rape gangs, for real, Muslim rape gangs, taking young girls hostage, trafficking them, and then saying, if you tell anybody that we're raping you and selling your bodies, we will go to your house and burn your parents alive with gasoline and cut their heads off. This has happened multiple times. Not that. That's not the focus. Christiane Amanpour is all over the focus. Look what he said. In the 70 years of her being on the throne, many cultures and many faiths have flourished in these past seven decades. But there is an ongoing, particularly in the wake 
of Black Lives Matter, particularly in the protests that, that erupted all over the world after what happened in, in Minnesota, here as well in France, in other parts of these nations that had colonial servants, let's face it. People were in service to this empire. The wealth of this empire was derived on the back of the people of, the, of, of, of their empire. So that's her focus at this time in the world. She is the same as bum fights guy. A lot's changed. Let's start with the fact that Great Britain was the first major country to outlaw slavery. Let's second the fact that they fought against slavery in other countries. Let's go with that. If that's not righting the wrong, I, I, I'm at a loss as to what might be considered righting the wrong. Let's add to the fact that Great Britain, like the United States, was engaged in slavery like nearly every other country. Like Africans themselves. Like Native Americans themselves. Were engaged in slavery. It was an invention of the time. There has always been the least of these. There's always the homeless with us. The Christ Jesus said that the poor will always be with you. And look, part of it's to test us. How do you treat the least of these? Part of it is to give us the joy of working side by side with the Lord to help people who have less because we get to steward. We don't own, we steward. But Amon poor can't let that go. And then the pretense that these protests rose up. They didn't rise up. They were organized. They were simply looking for the best possible trigger event. Had it not been the sainted and deeply gentle and never harmful George Floyd. I mean, yeah, there's the thing about beating up a pregnant woman and holding a, holding a pistol to her pregnant belly um, and drug dealing and beating people and being a career criminal. And yeah, there's that. And participating in his own death by not confronting the drug addiction that he had and the demons that he carried. And aside from that, he was a perfect saint. If it wasn't George Floyd, it would have been someone else. Just so long as it's a so-called person of color, because this is about bum fights. On a sophisticated scale by people who get to take advantage of the illusion of respectability. They get to take advantage of that. I can't imagine the, um, <laughs> the degree of jealousy that exists amongst people who are drug cartel leaders because they still have to hide out, right? They, they still have to stay hidden. They don't get to traipse about being obviously drug cartel leaders because otherwise they can have the U.S. military eventually one day if there's a war on drugs brought back, go, go rain down uh, you know, military might on them and take the, the things that they've taken from others. And they have to look at Moderna and Pfizer and go, wow, wow. Why didn't we think of that? Why didn't we medicalize our stuff? Maybe they have. Maybe they have. But why don't we just obviously do it? Look at the pharmaceutical companies. 
They put on suits. And they say, this mRNA, my mRNA protects you. Your mRNA protects me. And look, I mean, there's a difference. Cartels, when they make a deal, they don't have written contracts. They don't, you know, they hide that stuff. They, they keep account. They've got an agreement, but they don't have written contracts because written contracts can be found out in court. That could be used to put you in prison for the rest of your life. Well, no, it says right here, cartel leader, that you had a contract with the MS-13 gang um, in this part of America to bring this stuff in. And you trafficked it through the Southern border with the great help of Barack Hussein Obama, as detailed in Project Cassandra, where Barack Hussein Obama, God rest rush, decided to let the Taliban continue to ship opioids under, across, and through our Southern border in concert with cartel human traffickers and drug traffickers. That stuff could get found out in court. Now, the pharmaceutical companies, they have contracts, except we don't get to read them. <laughs> Truly. The illusion of respectability. This is a representative to the EU from Romania who is doing more to confront this evil of these pharmaceutical companies wearing the illusion of respectability than any, even, even Ron Johnson. And Ron, Senator Johnson is a hero, an American version of a hero for going after these guys. Thomas Massey, Rep. Massey starting to get there. The um, Surgeon General of Florida is starting to get there on what these pharmaceutical companies have done. This is Christian Terrace, and he's asking questions of the Moderna Boss. To talk about these vaccines, to talk about boosters, to talk about medical products when we don't know the clauses of these contracts. So the direct question to you, Mr. Bonsell, is when are you going to fully publish the contracts that you had both with the European Commission and with the member states of the European Union? Oh, and that's just part of this. He tears into this guy. That's just part of it. And the air of respectability, the document he's holding there, everything, everything is redacted. A company telling a government body, we're redacting. Try it with your tax returns. Oh, I've decided to redact that. Where'd the money come from? Redacted. It's bum fighting. Illusion of, uh, illusion of respectability. Have you been to the website bonefrog.us? Have you purchased the coffee there? Let me ask you a question. Do you love it? Are you on a subscription plan? Here's the thing that subscription plans do for growing companies like bonefrog.us, Bonefrog Coffee, that is founded by my friend Tim Cruikshank, 25-year Navy veteran, Navy SEAL, a truly godly man. I, I've spent enough time with him to say I, I know for, for real that the Lord Jesus is at the heart of what he does. Um, it is predictable revenue. That predictable revenue affords Tim the ability to grow the company in a better leveraged sense, not in terms of going out and, and you know getting a bunch of bank loans, et cetera, but being smart in investments, in hiring more people. And he puts a premium on hiring veterans. Surprised? Well, I'm not because he directs proceeds from the company to help the families of fallen Navy SEALs. It allows him to tell them Hey, here's where we're at with subscriptions. This is what you can expect for support. It allows him to better leverage partnerships. 
You know, he's got one of the best coffee makers in the world advising him on blends. In fact, Dave Stewart makes some of the blends, does it himself, legend in the coffee business. It allows Tim with predictable revenues to buy coffee at lower rates, the raw goods, to get it produced more consistently on a cheaper basis. So it allows him to grow the company in the way that I think we want the company to go. Every single bag says God country team on it. It's non-negotiable. It stays. It's not going anywhere. So if you love the coffee, you can continue to go, oh man, I ran out of bone frog. Or you can go to bonefrog.us and sign up for the subscription plan for the roast you love, the delivery method, K-cup or espresso, French press, however you enjoy your coffee. And you help Tim. He helps you. You don't run out of coffee. When you go to bonefrog.us, you're helping Tim. You're helping Bonefrog. You're helping families of fallen Navy SEALs. When you use bonefrog.us, you're helping this podcast. Hopefully, you're helping yourself have fantastic coffee you feel great about drinking. It's bonefrog.us. Here's the full clip Christian Taros just, just laying in to the Moderna chief. Answer from Emma, which is showing for every vaccine the kind of tests that were done. So in the case of, in the case of Moderna, for example, you provided data showing that you tested these vaccines since 2017, 2018, 2019. So how were you able to test these vaccines? Back then, when we found out about this virus in December of 2019. Second question, the contracts. You mentioned here that there are some secrets or some confidential information in these contracts that should protect your interests. Now the question that I address to you, what about the interests of us and the interests of the European citizens? Because this is how some of the pages from the contract between Moderna and the European Commission is showing. So I'm asking you, do you think this is fair to all of us? To talk about these vaccines, to talk about boosters, to talk about medical products, when we don't know the clauses of these contracts. So the direct question to you, Mr. Bancel, is when are you going to fully publish the contracts that you had both with the European Commission and with the member states of the European Union? Another question, the issue of liabilities. You were asked by our colleague here about the liabilities and you avoided to answer this question. So my question to you is, why are you pushing the liabilities on the states and on the people who receive these vaccines and might have, and I say might have, adverse effects while you get all the profits? Nevertheless, the, the bivalent boosters, this is the last question. Yeah, but you, already you just stated here that these boosters were requested by the U.S. government who also approved the boosters without trials on humans. So I'm asking you, do you think this is fair? Do you think we can go and ask the European citizens to be vaccinated with some medical products that were not properly tested or not at all tested in humans? Thank you. Mr. Teres, next time I'll deduct 40 seconds from your speaking time. With all due respect, it is, it's an important it issue, and the reason why they are here is to answer questions. Yes. And I see that they are all avoiding answering concrete questions from my colleagues. Yeah, but it's also respectful for well, solid. They have to be. There it is. It's also respectful. The error, the, the illusion of respectability, it's respectful. 
There are candy-colored fentanyl pills crossing the border. Yeah, why? Because someone wants to kill kids. Why else do you make candy-colored fentanyl pills? Now, truly, a kid eats those pills, they're going to die. The the injections aren't quite that bad. They're not that bad. They kill a lot of people. They injure a lot of people. But they're not guaranteed to kill you. The fentanyl at that level is guaranteed to kill you. Difference by degree, not category. Moderna can't be bothered bothered to test this on human beings. They're just going to deploy it. Difference of degree, not category, from the fentanyl that looks like candy crossing the border. The illusion of respectability is a powerful thing. The Lord Jesus didn't care for the illusion of respectability. He hung out with someone who tradition says is a, uh, was a prostitute. That's what tradition says about Mary Magdalene. She was inhabited by demons. The Lord Jesus rid her of the demons, saved her, brought her to himself because the father had said, bring Mary to me. He hung out with tax collectors and rough fishermen. He hung out with a zealot. Inconvenient politically. He talked with women by himself. He defended an adulteress. He didn't care about the illusion of respectability. How is it that this rabbi is washing his followers' feet? That's not respectable. I don't care about your respectability. I care about how I am seen by the Father. Quite a different model, isn't it? Which brings us to Justin Trudeau, a kissing cousin of the figurehead who a few weeks ago gave a speech that was satanic, who is now hiring men who are very apparently, in my judgment, Satanists, who is the same, as senile as he is, it's wound into his DNA to exploit, to set up bum fights. He's setting up a national bum fight, trying to get us to bum fight our neighbor. Magus, Magus, just, uh, just, uh, just, uh, domestic, uh, uh, chickenism. Trying to get him to fight. Justin Trudeau is a kissing cousin, just another one of the WEF people. Here's Justin Trudeau. I don't know that this is even different by degree than bum fight guy. Bum fight guy just pays people 20 bucks for harming themselves or others. Justin Trudeau says you can keep your job, but you're being endangered by the evil people. Trying to bring people together is not always compatible with science, with respect for human rights, with the best way to move things forward. I mean, when Aaron O'Toole talks about, oh yes, we need to unite people, we need to bring people together, He's talking about defending the rights of people who are anti-vax to endanger my kids and endanger us all of future lockdowns and risk all of us having a slower recovery. If you make a choice, a personal choice, to not get vaccinated 
then I will have no sympathy for you when you come to me and said, oh, but I can't go out to a restaurant with my friends, or I'm not being allowed to go to the gym, or my employer uh, is telling me I have to continue to work from home. Uh, you don't have a right to endanger others. Hmm. Interesting. One group against another for profit, for power. Would Dr. Phil kick the dictator of Canada off his program? The illusion of respectability. I'm, I promised I would do this. I'll tell you a, a little personal story. On a personal note today, I began an apology tour a couple of months ago. Um, I was going through a book called Experiencing God. And my pastor recommended I read this. And Experiencing God is about learning to live in alignment with God by trying to find the answer to this question. In what work does God want me to join him? Because the thesis of the book is that God wants us to work with him. We're given talents, all of us, that are being stewarded to help build the kingdom. It's a very solid thesis. And the book is a workbook. And part of the workbook said that God won't give you the next big assignment until you finish the last. Sometimes the last is, hey, remember that person you ignored at work? We just said, hey, I'm praying for you. You didn't minister. Go minister. Then we can talk about the next big thing. One of the other aspects of the book is it said, are there things you've done in your life that have been an affront to God? And have you gone back on that and made that right? It's kind of 12 steppy, except it's not. So I started to take inventory of people I've treated in an ungodly way. And I'm getting to some of the people in business. <laughs> when I was at Microsoft doing King of the Universe garbage, I shared with you, I treated some people in some ungodly ways. So it came to me that there were some women I dated when I were young. And I went first to my wife. And I said, are you okay if I make contact with these women for the following reason? Not, not to reignite something, God forbid, not to engage in adultery, God forbid, not that. But to simply reach out and say, hey, I think I treated you in an ungodly way. And so I did that with her permission. I told her when I was going to have the phone calls. I told her after the phone calls. I told her the content of the phone calls. And I called a young, well, she's not, well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, we're, we're of a similar age. She's about seven years younger than me, I think. Is that right? Six years. And I called her and uh, I dated her in Salt Lake and tracked her down, called her. Hey, uh, can I share something with you? Yeah. She was so very kind and said, hey, look, we were both young. I'm not certain that you were the one doing the exploiting. I think it was me. And I asked her if I could pray for her. And she said, if it was anybody else, I'd be offended. But because it's you, no, I, I would welcome the prayers. I'm hoping that she will get to know the Lord. I'm hoping that. And maybe that's part of the reason God wanted me to apologize. But in that conversation, I remembered something. And that is that she went on the Jenny Jones show when we were dating. She did. She, she went on the Jenny Jones show. She had lost uh, like a hundred and some pounds. She was a very small woman when I knew her, very tiny. 
And she went on Jenny Jones's show because her sister had submitted her pictures and oh, my sister lost all this weight. And so she and her sister got to fly back to Chicago and they get into the Jenny Jones show. You speak of exploiting people. So this woman and her sister went on the program. Her sister nominated her, the sister, the, the, the woman I dated. Uh, I guess I could use her first name. It's no harm, Lisa. And Lisa went on TV and, and so did her sister. And they gave her a makeover. You know, she talked about how she lost the weight and, and I don't know what she said, but the truth was cigarettes and red, like these red candies, really, really, really super healthy way to lose weight. Although she's kept that off. And so Jenny Jones gave her a makeover. And all the women were from that area of the country, like Arizona, Vegas, Utah, to save money on flights. They flew them all in from the same area. They do the show and Jenny Jones is so kind and, oh, look at you. Oh, you're a changed woman. Oh, applaud. And how does it feel to be treated like you deserve? And, and they'd get the big applause and Jenny hugs all the ladies. And then the show is over and the producers come back and say, backstage, get the, get the clothes off. We don't get to keep the clothes. No, you're not keeping the clothes. You know how expensive those are. Those don't belong in you trash. Get back behind the stage. Now look, we're closing up shop here in 10 minutes. Get into your street clothes. And, and Lisa and the ladies are like, hey, what do you mean? Like, look, we don't get a cab. You, you brought us here in a limo. No, you don't get a cab. We're not giving you cab money. We drove you to the show. So they rush them, bums rush to get changed into the street clothes. And then they put them outside the studio, not in the front where there's the beautiful entrance. They put them out like on a side road in Chicago and they have a plane to catch. Most of these women have never traveled before and a cab stops and they get in and they're going to the airport. And then Lisa is a smart person. And she looks and said, said to the cab driver, why are we going this way? This isn't to the airport. He goes, I'm taking a better way. And the 10 minutes goes by and she goes, look, you're driving away from the airport. We're supposed to go to the airport. Shut up, shut up. He starts screaming at them, shut up. And Lisa's getting worried. And this guy is getting crazy and violent. Shut up, I told you to shut up. I'm taking you, I'm taking you. And they're going far, far away from the airport. Now they're headed into like a neighborhood of apartment buildings. And that's it. Lisa reaches into her purse and gives her the bear spray about her. Or mace. Hammer cough, it's bears. I think it's mace. She reaches into her purse. She squeezes that through the window, uh, the, the plexiglass, and sprays it into the front of the cab. And the guy wigs. Can't see where he's going. Crashes into a post by the side of a, um, of a, of a gas station. And he's, he's, the car stalls and he's trying desperately to restart it. And Lisa and the, and the young women are banging on the windows of the cab trying to get out. There are no door handles in the back seat, none. And they're desperately trying to get out. And a man ran into the gas station and got a, uh, some kind of tool, maybe a tire iron, and came and popped out the window. Just sit back, boom, broke the window, got the girls out, women out. The guy finally got the cab started and took off, but they had this great description of him. Police caught up with him. And they came back to Lisa and the women and said, you just helped us catch a serial killer.
who's been using a gypsy cab to torture women, to kidnap them and torture them and kill them. And that tiny little act of, hey, here's some mace, concern for a sister. She's told that story time and again to her girls. Some boyfriend who decided to give her some mace. That guy also put on the illusion of respectability. I'm just a cab driver. I'm just a cab driver. I'm just the CEO of Moderna. I'm just the mayor. I'm just the dictator of Canada. It's a powerful thing, illusions. Let us not live in them. Instead, let us live in the light on the firm foundation of the word of God. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And the more time you spend in the word of God, the easier it is to live on the word of God.